0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org.
1: All right, hey, welcome, Faith. Good to see you guys. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Already, what a strong presence of God here in the house today. We welcome all of you. If you're a guest, thanks so much for being with with us today. Uh, Just for you guys that weren't able to make the business meeting, there might be a few of you that missed it, but we had a great time last Sunday night. I want to share one thing real quick. We are totally and completely debt-free at all four of our campuses. Just want to let you know that. That is pretty exciting stuff paid off all of our notes, all of our debts at the very end of last year, and so I thought everybody would want to hear that great news, and I want to thank you so much. It's your generous giving and your faithfulness to the Lord that has made all that possible, so thank you so very much. We are finally here. We've been talking about this day for the last eight weeks. It is book launch Sunday, and we have a chance to reach our entire city with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my privilege to introduce to you Darren Lindley. Darren is the president of Good Catch Publishing. They have been around for about 11 years. They have published over 300 books that are reaching cities all across America. And now it's time to come to Charleston, North Charleston, Somerville, and reach our city for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Darren's preached for about 30 years all across the country. I want you to give him a warm South Carolina welcome. Make him feel at home. Darren, Lily, it's all yours, buddy. God bless you.
0: Excellent, man. Thank you. Wonderful. Good morning. Do you love Jesus? You know what I picked up on that? I noticed it. It's awesome. Can I tell you something? He loves you. He loves you with an enduring love. His love doesn't shift. His love doesn't fade. His love endures forever. He loves to love you. It's what he gets up in the morning to do. Right on. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to break the chains that hold us captive. He came to make everything new when everything has died. Isn't that amazing? I got to tell you, I read your book and I loved it. I, was, I, I, only, I always read the books right before I come to launch them. And I was on the airplane and I was wiping tears out of my eyes as I read such precious stories. And before I go any further, I want to say thank you to every single storyteller for the humility and faith that you expressed, the bravery that you expressed, and I understand that it has not been an easy ride. The enemy hates this. The Scripture says in, first, in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10-11, that they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Can I just tell you something? The accuser of the brethren does not like being overcome. And so today, he is going to get beaten. We're going to beat him with the same stick that he beat these precious people. We're going to take that very testimony and we're going to take it into the city and Jesus is going to transform lives. So praise you, Jesus. So just a little bit about me. Uh, Got saved when I was seven years old. Live for Jesus till today. And I'm planning on serving him tomorrow. I love Jesus with everything that's in me. I've been traveling and speaking for the last 30 years. I've been to Alaska 165 times, which is one of my little novel facts. And uh, I uh, am kind of an Alaska wilderness adventure dude. Fly bush planes all over the place up there and ride snow machines up rivers and do all kinds of cool stuff like that. And, uh, but my main passion is this. When people come to know that Jesus is good... Jesus is good. Right on. So let's get into the word this morning. And uh, when you can bring that screen up, we will go ahead and jump into this thing. And these guys have been on their game the whole way. Way to go, sound team. You guys are impressive. Right on. You know, the scripture says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm an evangelist. When I hear that, I'm going, right on, baby, let's do it. Let's go there. Let's do that. But not everybody has that exact response, right? Some people kind of go, "Uh, yeah, sounds a bit awkward. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that. So let's take a look at some of the things that we as Christians frequently feel. Christians frequently feel intimidated when it comes to sharing the gospel. It's just straight up scary. Sometimes it's just awkward. They look at this and they go, oh my goodness, I'm not sure that this is going to be a comfortable thing. They get theologically confused. They say, you know, I'm not sure exactly how you lead somebody to Christ. I know there's a prayer in there, but I'm not sure what to say in that prayer. Many people uh, get into the high pressure moment of a spiritual conversation and the words just kind of lock up. You know, they just kind of feel inarticulate. Some people are just chasing life. I mean, we're all trying to keep dinner on the table and a roof over our head, and it is straight up a challenge. But here's a question for you. How do you think the unchurched person feels about it? Sometimes I think they feel hunted. You know, they they think, man, you know, you're just trying to get another notch on your belt, some kind of validate your own Christianity by talking to me about Jesus. Now, I don't know very many people that that's the case, but that's sometimes the way they feel. Sometimes they feel judged. They don't feel judged because necessarily we're judging them, but sometimes we're doing stuff, right? Sometimes people are kind of like doing things they maybe shouldn't do, and you bring up the topic of God and boom, instant judgment feeling, right? Sometimes they just feel like we are putting them in a socially awkward position. You know, there's two rules. One, you don't talk about religion. The other, you don't talk about politics. If you're going to fudge on one of those rules, make sure it's the politics one, right? So uh, they feel like they're just not good enough. You know, in our culture, there's this cliche, and it goes like this. If I were to walk into that church, the roof would fall in. Now, I know that this roof has been very well engineered. But you know what? That's actually a cliche that is in our culture. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before our God day and night is beaten on everybody's head in your city, and he's saying, you can't come. They look at our message, and they go, man, what is it about this God? He seems, seems so out of touch. Why does God hate homosexuals so much? Now, obviously, he doesn't hate homosexuals. He loves everybody, but that's what the world thinks. The world doesn't quite get it, and they feel like our message is out of touch. So I want to talk to you about something. My job as an evangelist is this. Before I was ever a book publisher, I was an evangelist. Ephesians 4.11 says this. God gave these gifts to the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, what, is, what does it mean to be equipped? To be equipped, you need to have two things. Number one, you need to have a tool. And then secondly, you need to have a technique. When you have those things, you are equipped. I'm fascinated with wooden boat building. And so I've got some tools, but I'm a little short on the technique at the moment. You've got to have both, right? You can know all there is to know about boat building and have all the techniques right here. But if you don't have the tools, it's extremely difficult to build with your fingernails. But you can have all the tools and not have the technique. And you are just as poorly equipped. So we want to talk to you today about something that is kind of fun. What if we could create an evangelism engine? Now think about an engine. What's an engine? An engine is something you put this key in, you turn on the switch, and it just runs. It runs whether you remember it's running or not. Isn't that right? It runs with. you don't have to give it a back rub, you don't have to motivate it, you don't have to inspire it. It just runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. What if we could create an evangelism engine that just did that? Touching Somerville and North Charleston every day of the week, every week of the year. What if it's not awkward or intimidating? It's, it demonstrates the relevance of the gospel. Instead of feeling hunted, the unchurched feel valued. And instead of judged, they feel loved. Meet this young lady. We'll get the sound here. So what book did you read?
2: I read Beautifully Wracked.
0: So tell me about that. How did you get it?
2: I started spending time with a friend, and she wanted to bring Jesus into my life. And I completely rejected, and respectfully, of course. And she said that her daughter had been reading a book and was saying how awesome the book was and how amazing these people, how their lives were just so beautifully wrecked and how they came to know Jesus and how their lives were drastically changed and I read one testimony and put it away for a couple of weeks and then one night I decided to open the book back up and I read the entire rest of the book that night and I couldn't get enough of it and those stories, the testimonies inspired me that after having such a wrecked life, that my life could become beautiful with the love of Jesus. I was baptized on January 13th, and I am so happy to say that I have six months clean and sober. I can't get enough of Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Emily was a very, very broken girl. She mentioned her addiction she was addicted to meth. She, she could have easily been a, a story in your book. A very broken, hurting girl. This, this is an interesting thing to notice. She had said, no, I'm not going to church. No, I'm not going to hear about this Jesus thing. No, thank you. But there's something that I learned a while ago, and that is most of the spiritual decisions that we make in our life don't usually happen with somebody pointing their finger in your face. Normally, when you make a spiritual decision, it's by yourself. You're taking a shower. You're taking a walk. You're laying on your bed. You're just getting alone with God. And there's something about preserving that moment where that person can just say, you know what? I think I want Jesus. Meet another man who had an amazing experience. Well, our son got involved with drugs and alcohol and has become addicted to all kinds of things. And we've actually been sharing with our banker. They brought over a book for us to read hidden in the shadows, and uh, in less than 48 hours, four people have read the book. And and, uh, our son, who has been raised in church, lost hope, lost everything, and read the book and said it's the first time in a long time that he had hope for his future. amen and so what's he planning on doing he starts dream center on the (laughs) eighth jesus jesus loves to save doesn't he and he's doing an amazing job the scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it he hid it again And then, in his joy, went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now, I used to preach the scripture a lot. uh, I've spoken at more than 250 weeks of youth summer camps. That's not spring retreats, winter retreats, or fall retreats. That's just summer camps. And so this is what I would say. You guys, if you want to get the kingdom of God, you've got to sell out, baby. You've got to give it everything you've got. You've got to go for it, man. And it won't be easy. It's going to be tough. But if you go the distance, you'll get there. That's what I used to say. And I started looking at the scripture. I thought, whoa, I think I might have been 180 degrees out on this thing. Notice this word kingdom. The word kingdom is a compound word, it's made up of the word king and dominion. A king's dominion is not a king. A kingdom's not a king. A kingdom's a place. Isn't that right? And so there's something very critical to understand. The kingdom of heaven, the place that Jesus wants to rule, is hidden in the field. The scripture says this. The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. Where does Jesus want to rule? Jesus wants to rule in my heart. He wants to rule in your heart. He wants to rule in the hearts of every single person in this city. But you want to know something? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field how did this treasure get hidden in the field well it says this 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 stuff was just tossed out there you guys you see you don't take gold and just stick it in a field what happens is this was a dump and these these lives were taken out there and they were just rejected just like james felt rejected from the very first days of his life as he was, his father had forgotten him and he was alone in the, in the earth. Annalise felt so rejected as she was repeatedly raped and abused and traumatized. J- uh, uh, Jennifer felt so rejected when she came to the end of herself and she was so hopelessly addicted to meth that she could not shake it. She had rejected herself. Thrown out into the field, rejected. But you know something? One man's trash is another man's treasure. (laughs) And that man is Jesus. And the Bible says, for the joy set before Him. What was the joy that was set before Him? You were the joy that was set before Him. The people of this city were the joy that was set before Him. And He went to that cross and He gave it all. And the Scripture says, He sold it all what did he do? The scripture says, God who knew no sin became sin for us. Now, I want to ask you this question. How long did Jesus not know sin? Forever past, right? And then one day at the cross, without sinning, he took my sin upon himself. The sin that causes a guy to slam the barrel of a 357 in his mouth and pull the trigger. The sin that causes an addict to slam a needle in his arm. The sin that causes that person to pound the booze down, trying to numb the pain. That's what Jesus took upon Himself and stained Himself with that day. He gave up the blissful ignorance of not knowing sin and took all of our failure, all of our shortcoming upon Himself. That's good Jesus. That's what He paid to get the field and the scripture says this it says he bought that field first john 2 2 says that he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only our sins but for the sins of the whole world he bought the whole field and now he's going back through that field and he's saying this hey i own you may i have you because you know what he wants to do with you well he wants to do with you what you're supposed to do with the treasure. You know what you do with the treasure? You treasure it. And that's what he wants to do. More than anything in this world, you need his love. And when his love penetrates your heart, it will transform you beyond anything else. So there are many more people hidden in the field. So let's go into the field. This is the why. I want to talk to you about the why the what and the how and the why is emily in that first video the why is that guy and his his son who was horribly addicted the why is the jennifers it's the timothy and serena's it's all of these people whose lives were broken and destroyed but jesus comes and gives life so i want to take a look at the tool now this is this is the this is the what the what is really the testimony but how you package the testimony is critical notice this that is a cool cover BTW, and notice that there's nothing religious on that cover. There's no double entendres, and you know why? Because God-haters don't pick up religious-looking books. I'm from Portland, Oregon, and uh, we're a bunch of pagans up there. I mean, we don't know God from Bela Hay in Oregon. And you put God on the cover of a book, they are not picking it up, okay? This book is this thick for a reason. When you were in the second grade, you decided whether you were going to read a book or not based on how thick it was, right? Still true. Seven stories. The scripture says out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. But seven is the number of completeness. We want to go for overwhelming proof. The price tag on the back of this book, those little teeny numbers, $1,495, established value in the mind of the receiver. We gave away 2,200 copies of my home church's book at the train station. It's a little commuter train that runs from Hillsborough into Portland. We gave away 2,200 copies. Then we went around the train station looking for abandoned books. We did not find one single abandoned book. Not on the benches, not in the garbage cans, not anywhere. Amen. Madras, Oregon, we gave 500 books away in a parade, and then we went and looked to see if we could find any. Not one could we find. Not one abandoned. Gig Harbor, two years in a row, 500 books in a parade. We couldn't find one single abandoned book. The story order is super important because you only have that one chance to get your God-hater, right? That guy who thinks, man, I don't do God. I don't do religious. I'm done with all that stuff. You got that one chance. In your book it doesn't mention Jesus till page 25. That's because you have to establish a crisis before you can solve it. If you put that Jesus is the answer in the first sentence, the god is gonna drop that book like a rock. But if you build the crisis, what happens is the reader begins to actually, in his heart, intercede for the storyteller. And then once you get to that point of crisis, we bring in the answer, and his name is Jesus. And we clearly and powerfully communicate that. Pastor Larry nailed it on the, on the uh, salvation conclusion, good job, bro. And you want to know something, you guys? People can get saved in the convenience of their own bed as they read that conclusion. Now, let's take a look at some numbers here. About 2,000 people on this campus. From what I hear, I might be wrong somewhere in there, but we'll just use these numbers. So imagine that if each one of us has a spiritual conversation for 30 minutes with an unchurched person. That would produce about 1,000 hours every month of outreach. Okay? But one book, you saw in this Emily's video, what happened? The lady read it. The daughter read it. She gave it to Emily. Emily read it. That's three reads. And then Emily gave it away. In the guy's video, he says that the book was read four times in the first 48 hours. These books commonly get read three times in the first year. You drop it at Starbucks, it's going to get read a lot more. Okay? But one book... If it's read 3 times, takes about 5 hours to read the book, produces about 15 hours of personal evangelism. Now what if we went for it today? And what if we sponsored 2000 books? Okay? That's everybody getting involved and doing what they can. Not that much. But if we got involved and did what we could, we could easily, this group of people could easily sponsor 2,000 books. Do you realize that 15 hours times 2,000 books equals 30,000 hours per month? We went from 1,000 hours a month to 30,000 hours a month. The average person in America works 2,000 hours a year. If you divide 30,000 by 2,000 hours, you've got 15 years of Full-time evangelism, showing up at work at 8, starting into the conversation at 801, never getting distracted, never getting frustrated, never getting in an argument, never getting taken off track, always putting in your full day 15 years of full-time evangelism every single month. That's what we could do. It kind of blows my mind. So what we used to do is we would mail the books to the church, and then people grab the books and they hand them out. And they're really easy to hand out. But the average person has 10 to 20 people in their sphere of influence. And so what we found was they would quickly run out of people they felt comfortable giving the books to. So then we realized, you know what, we need to take this up. And then we started to add the technique. So we got the tool, now let's go to the technique. The technique is direct mail. So what we do is we buy every address in the, all of North uh, Charleston and Somerville. Every single address. These are bought addresses addresses and their tested addresses and the first month we mail a book directly to a home guy walks out to his mailbox and he looks in there and he goes whoa dude free book how cool is that as he's looking at this book he's going man that's awesome now i don't know about you but i get excited if i get a box of detergent in the mail you know and now i got a 15 dollar book right on and so he looks at the book and he's he's thinking this is cool he takes it out he sees that it's from the low country he's going man this is like local and he starts reading the back cover text. And he's intrigued by the back cover text. He brings it into the house. It's kind of busy. He drops it on the coffee table. Doesn't read right then. So the next month, we send him a postcard. And he sees this cover art on the postcard. And he looks at that thing and he says, Oh, yeah, that's that book. I've been meaning to read that book. Now, at some point in the first six months, the dude's going to have to go to the bathroom. Okay, it's total science. He's going to take that book in the bathroom. He's going to sit down. He's going to get reading on that book. He's going to come out of that bathroom. He's going to say to his wife, Baby, I'm reading about this book. You would not believe it. I didn't know there was a church like this on the planet. This is amazing stuff. And so the next month, we sent him another postcard. Now, I don't know. Have you ever read a book and it really touched you? It just kind of emotionally got you? And then about six months later, you see that book again and that cover, and you just kind of go, oh, man, that was amazing. That was such a powerful book. Remember? You know that feeling? He sees this cover art, and he goes, oh, yeah, that's that book. And he turns the postcard over and he sees that there's a map to the church, there's service times, there's phone numbers, there's the website, there's everything it takes to connect to these real people that he just read about in this book. And so he says to his wife, Honey, you know what? We need to go to church sometime. Now I want to ask you a question. Is that a decision or an idea? It's just an idea, isn't it? You see, decisions require action. So we send him another postcard. And when we send him this postcard, he sees it again and he goes, you know what, honey? We need to go to church this Sunday. Let's go to church this Sunday. That, my friends, is a decision. You see, most people don't make a decision without multiple points of impact. They've got to be touched again and again. The first touch is a nuclear explosion. We drop a bomb on them with that book. And then we come back and we just tap them on the shoulder and tap them on the shoulder and tap them on the shoulder. Hey, maybe you ought to think about this. Hey, maybe you ought to think about this. Do you understand at some point they're going to come into a crisis? I want to ask you, where are they going to show up? I think they're going to show up at the church that they've been thinking about and reading about and that is on their horizon. So, so let's take a look at it another way. So, imagine this. In March, which is the first point that we'll actually send out books, we send out, and we have 2,000 books sponsored. We send out 2,000 homes get books, and we do all this. This is what we do at our company, and we send the books right down the street, 2,000 homes in a row, bam, 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 2,000 homes. Then in April, 2,000 new homes get books, and we send 2,000 postcards to the March homes. In May, 2,000 new homes get books, and we send out 4,000 postcards, 2,000 to the March homes and 2,000 to the April homes. In June, 2,000 new homes get books, and we send out 6,000 postcards, and and those go to the March homes, the April homes, and the May homes. Now look at this. We've already, just in four months, we've got 8,000 homes that we've touched with the gospel. By July, 2,000 new homes get books, and we send out 6,000 more postcards. Now we stop sending to the March homes because at some point you do become a stalker, right? It's not okay. So uh, we sent out 2,000 books to the April homes, 2,000, excuse me, postcards to the April homes, 2,000 to the May homes, and 2,000 to the June homes. So that by the end of 24 months, if this keeps on rolling for 24 months, this is what happens. By the end of 24 months, we have reached 48,000 homes and 144,000 people with 192,000 touches. Does that freak anybody out? I am pumped about this. The engine is definitely running. And it runs whether you remember it. It runs whether you think about it. It goes on day in, day out, morning and night, 365 days a year. Then each month, we're going to send Pastor Larry this map. And he's going to show this to you. Now, this is just an illustration. This is from a church that we did in Portland, Oregon. And they're only doing 200 books. It's a much smaller church. And... Uh, but boom we load all the addresses up into google maps and there you can see them if you mouse over that map you can see the actual address of the of the home next month you can see the map growing next month you see the map growing next month it's growing and we're covering a city with the gospel of jesus christ now this is where we add the awesome sauce you park your car right there you get out and you say you know what i'm gonna do I know that every single one of these homes has a book. I know that my coworker lives in this neighborhood. My aunt lives in this neighborhood. And I'm going to start walking down the street and we're going to add the absolutely powerful thing called prayer. And we're going to water the seed of the testimony. And we start praying over these homes. And we're saying, oh God, oh Jesus, open the eyes of the unbelievers so that they can see the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me just tell you something you guys, this isn't a theory, this isn't something that I hope works. This is something that we know works. We've tested it all over the country with every kind of demographic. We've um, been, we're we're saturating Columbia, uh, uh, South Carolina, right now, gospel's going out. People are coming week after week after week after week. They're coming to the church. They're coming into the kingdom. They're getting saved in Ontario, Oregon, week after week after week after week. Leander, Texas, week after week after week. Concord, California, people are getting saved. This is not I hope it works. This is not maybe this works. This is working all over the country. And let me just tell you something. I happen to be a bit of an expert on this subject. And, and Dr. James McClennan nailed it on his job as the project manager and per- person in charge on this book. And I'm telling you something. We have got a viable opportunity to reach our city. So let me... Let's just take a look. Here's what you get. You sponsor a book. A book gets mailed into your city. You get the labor. Unbelievable amount of labor. Postage. I don't know if you try to mail a book lately. It ain't cheap. Three postcard follow-up. And then the prayer and progress report. Okay? So what's it going to take to reach Somerville? We can reach every single home in Somerville and North Charleston if we were to get 2,000 books a month sponsored today. Okay? There's 48,000 homes. Over 24 months is 2,000 Books a month. That's what it would take. So, oops. Okay. So, uh, here's what it would actually look like we would need uh, uh, a few people to really step up big. And, and then we need some more who will do 25 books a month. That's $180 right there. That's $320 right there. 300, $360, excuse me, right there. That's $180 a month. I don't know if you can find anything more powerful to invest your money in the kingdom. That's $75 a month. Now notice notice this right here. If you look at the 5 10s 25s over here, that is 90% of the books. That's where the hefty li- heavy lifting occurs, okay? Now, we were talking about an evangelism engine. I drive a pickup truck. It takes about $75 to fill my pickup truck. Now, that's 10 books a month. What if we bought some gas for the engine? What if we bought a tank? What if we all bought a tank of gas for the engine every month? What would happen to our city? You guys, this is entirely doable. So now here's how you do this. Uh, in your bulletin, there is a sponsorship card. And uh, you put your name, your email, and you give us your phone number in case we can't read your handwriting. And uh, sign and date the card. Please sign and date every card regardless of how you pay for the uh, Uh, the uh, sponsorship, please sign and date your card, and then decide how many books a month you want to sponsor. If you want to do 50 books a month or 75, just write it down below and do the math right there. If you need any help on that, I'm really good at math. Uh, Your donation is tax deductible 100%. If you're using a paper check, we're going to take that paper check and turn it into an electronic check, and then your sponsorship will come out on the day of the month that you select every month. Just write void across the check. If you're using a credit card, just uh, put your billing address there, your credit card number there, your uh, security code there, and sign and date your card. And then finally, select what day of the month you would like your funds to come out. If you get paid on the 10th, you probably want your funds to come out on the 11th. If you get paid on the 15th, you want them to come out on the 16th. And then today's an interesting day. So today is the 15th of February. So if you mark on your card you want your funds to come out on the 2nd, then we will not take your funds out until March 2nd, Okay. However, that means no books are going to go out for February. So if you would like to make your donation today, say you have to say, normally I want it to come out on the 2nd on the of the month, but this one time I want you to take it out today on the 15th, then what I want you to do is put a Y right there if you want us to take it out. That way you'll get January or February's books out. They will be shipped in March. If we have to wait till March, then those books won't be shipped until April. Does that make sense? So if you have any questions, you can ask me at the table. And I want to make sure you understand this. You can cancel at any time. Would everybody say that with me? You can cancel at any time. No, I mean it. Everybody say it with me. You can cancel at any time. Very important to know that. Just go to testimonybooks.com. Click on Contact Us, and we can increase, decrease, postpone, or cancel. Just tell us what you want to do. 24 business hours later, you will have an email confirming that it has taken place. And again, your donation is completely tax-deductible. Now, here's the brass tax. When, if you decide you want to do this, what I want you to do is take your card and you fill it all out and then take your card out to the back table. If you take your card out to the back table today, we are going to then ship your very first month's books for free right here to the church, okay? Now, we're going to still ship out any books that we that are, are sponsored, This month that they're actually paid for. We're going to ship out in March. But we're going to ship an additional month free right here to the church. You can give them to your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, anybody that you're wanting to give a book to personally. Because sometimes I know you're saying, well, I got somebody who really wants to have this book. Well, we'll get you some. Okay? So we're taking a look at this thing. You know what, you guys? This isn't intimidating. It's not awkward. It's not theologically confusing. It doesn't matter whether you're inarticulate or not, because we're pretty hyper-articulate. And uh, are you busy? Well, this is what we're busy with. Okay, how does the lost person feel? No longer do they feel hunted, they feel valued. No longer do they feel judged, they feel loved. They don't feel like anybody put them in a socially awkward position, and they don't feel like they're not good enough because they read about you. (laughs) And they see the relevance of our message, that Jesus is transforming lives. You guys, this is kind of cool. The scripture says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, you know, uh, I met a guy, his name's John Swearingen. He was in a book that we did about five years ago in a little town in Kami, Idaho. John was suicidal. He took his 357 Magnum, and he walked out into the woods, and he was going to end his life. He took the gun and put it up to his head, and he pulled the trigger, and the hammer came down. Click. Didn't go off. He pulled the trigger again. Click. Didn't go off. He cycled through all six cylinders, of that weapon. The gun had never failed him before. He's, he's, what is up with this? He points it down at the ground, pulls the trigger again. Kaboom! The thing goes off. John realized what had happened. Jesus had just saved his life. He fell on his knees and he prayed in that very moment and asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. Now I want you to see what happened when a lady read that story.
1: I'm John Swearingen. Our pastor's wife called me down to the church one day into the bottom of the church where we were talking, and she uh, had a lady there that asked me uh, to see me. And so I uh, talked to her, and she put her arms around me and said that she was glad to meet me, that my story in the book had saved her life. And she just cried and cried. (sighs) It was uh, something that was very moving to me. Uh, I was just glad that uh, I was available to talk to her.
0: That's what it's really about. That's why this church is here. That's why we do what we do every day. It's because Jesus is wanting to save lives. Pastor, would you come and share your vision?
1: Thank you, Darren. Amen. Isn't this exciting? The opportunity we have to reach our city. I want you to take your cards out right now. They're in your bulletin. And we're going to give you a few minutes right now to fill those out. I am so excited about the gospel going all across the Lowcountry. There will be people you'll be touching, you'll be reaching, that you might not even know who they are. You won't know who they are, but they will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've read the book, I know you're already excited about getting involved and being behind this. If you haven't, uh, I encourage you to read it as, as you leave today and get this book and take a look at the stories in there. They will blow you away. Incredible stories right here. These are people of our church, men and women in our church, and they're the stories of how Jesus Christ can come in and transforms lives. Uh, let's pray, and then I'm going to give you a minute to fill the card out, and, uh, and then we'll Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God that you go into that field and you search for that lost person. There are hidden treasures all across the low country that need to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and for joy, God, we can be a part of reaching them. And so we thank you, God. The kingdom of God is advancing, and we're thankful, God, that we can be a part of that. And we pray, mighty God, that you will use this church, use faith assembly to get the gospel all across the low country. And we love you, God. And we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithisyear.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.